Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the PHNX Suns podcast. I'm your host, Greg Esposito. Hoy hoy. Joined, as always, by Gerald Borgay. Gerald, it's just the two of us. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great, Espo. How about you? Good. And I won't sing just the two of us. Don't you worry. Uh, I only do <laughs> I those awkward looking forward things to when it. it's just Saul and I. <laughs> I was kind of looking forward to it. You can't tease it and then not do it, Espo. Just the okay. Wait, I changed okay, my mind. Yeah, nobody needs to hear that. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that's just bad. Uh, that, uh, that, that's just awful. Uh, we are brought to you by the one and only DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's number one sportsbook app. Use that code PHNX when you sign up. Bet five dollars on any NFL team this weekend, and if they win, you're taking home two hundred dollars in free bets. A team that did not win and has not won. Very often so far this season, the Phoenix Suns sitting at one and three after a loss to the Kings on Wednesday night. And Gerald, the big storyline and the one that I think you stayed up until like four in the morning writing about (laughs) was uh, was DeAndre Ayton. And luckily, we're not talking contracts or anything like that with D.A. We're talking actual basketball Huge first half for DeAndre Ayton, and then he touches the ball or, or gets one shot. I won't say. I People people have been saying touches the ball once. That's not fair. It's not as if mm-hmm. he didn't touch the basketball. He got one shot in that second half. And a lot of people, myself included, Saul included on the postgame show yesterday, wondering what they need to do to get DeAndre Ayton the ball. Now, like I said, you wrote a huge uh, Borgay breakdown on this so i'm going to open the floor to start with you gerald what were your thoughts of deandre's performance especially after going back and watching it right so when you look at the raw numbers obviously it looks bad that he only got one shot attempt in the second half um, especially because he continued to do a lot of the things that made him successful in the first half you know he was setting good screens he was rolling hard uh, collapsing the defense in that way And when a guy has, you know, 16 points and 11 rebounds on eight of 11 shooting by halftime, you obviously want to keep him involved, uh, keep feeding the big man, as they like to say on Twitter. Um, But if I went back and watched the second half because I wanted to see specifically like what the offense looked like, whether they did miss DeAndre Ayton. Uh, as so many people on Twitter were saying that they did, um, you know, whether the offense really changed in the second half. The only thing that changed really was the way the Kings defended the Suns offense. And I went back and I watched every single shot attempt throughout the game when DA was on the court, looked at turnovers just to see if there were miscommunications or whatever. You know, DA, credit to him, he looked engaged. He was doing the exact same thing in the second half that he did in the first half. The problem was the Kings in that pick and roll that they kept running with with Booker or Chris Paul and D.A., they were giving the ball handlers on the Suns a lot more space coming off that pick, and they were allocating more bodies to DeAndre Ayton. You know, they, they saw the way that he burned them in the first half, and credit to Luke Walton, he adjusted their strategy so that Every single time Aiton rolled, and I swear I watched every single shot, every single time he was rolling and the Suns took a shot, like he had a guy on him. He was covered. Um, So for me, 
the biggest thing is not that the Suns were, you know, they stopped using DA properly or, you know, they weren't looking to get him involved. They were running their same offense. The difference was Chris Paul and Devin Booker were missing a lot of those mid-range shots they get coming off of curls on those DA screens. Like Chris Paul and Devin Booker shooting mid-range shots is a pretty efficient shot because they're both very good from that area of the floor. They missed a lot of looks that they normally just hit. And then there were a couple of times where the Suns just missed wide open threes off of DA doing what he does so so well and rolling and having that gravity. You know, you remember the Mikhail Bridges missed three at the top of the key. That would have been a real momentum boost. And then uh, I think a couple of plays after that, Cam Johnson missed a three at the top of the key above the break as well. Just wide open shots that you need to hit in this league. It's a make or miss league. Um, so that was my biggest takeaway watching the film again. He did exactly what he was doing in the first half, and that's what makes him so effective. The difference is the Kings had a counter for it, and the Suns counter to that counter, which is normally you know good mid-range shooters hitting shots. They just weren't hitting those shots. Well, you talk a lot in the piece about his gravitational pull, which is a big reason why they had those open shots in the third because – Luke Walton had to adjust the Kings defense to account for that after the first half. What bothers me, and I was one of those people saying, get DeAndre Ayton the ball, do what it takes to get him the ball in that case. And I understand within the context of, of the offense as it's currently constructed, they were doing the things uh, that, that they're supposed to. And it's kind of a, you a offense built on flow and instinct and getting uh, getting the guys the ball where they where they need to just based on what's going on in movement it's not a coach calling a play on the sideline like we knew in the 90s or whatever uh <laughs> you know those kind of things but to me at some point if you're if your shooters aren't hitting shouldn't there be an option or some built-in fail safe that you turn to DeAndre Ayton and you have a way built into this offense to get him the ball. Uh, I know dumping it down to the post isn't the isn't the most effective way to play basketball. Analytics ha- has proven that, but if you're not hitting your shots, it feels like one or two DA buckets could kind of break that funk. When you only score 15 points in the third quarter, I just feel like maybe you need to try something slightly different, have that third, you know, uh, or tertiary offense that you get into or something to feed uh, DA the ball. I don't know. It's, it feels like there needs to be something when your guys aren't shooting uh, well, because this, w- this happened and not a lot, but it happened a few times last year. We've seen it happen in multiple quarters this season. So what do you do in that case? It, it, I feel like there needs to be another option. Yeah, and, and I would agree with that. I think there are ways that you can try and get DA more involved, but the onus is kind of, it needs to be spread around here. It's not just a Suns thing or a Monty thing. It's a DA thing as well, because they are trying to get him involved and keep him involved, because the best way to keep DeAndre Ayton involved is as a screen and roll big. That is what he is elite at. That is his best skill on the offensive end, not just his gravitational pull, but the fact that when that guy rolls, you have to account for him because otherwise he is extremely efficient finishing around the basket. He's got great touch. 
Um, he's got the size and, and often the strength advantage. So you have to always account for that. The thing for me is that until he develops into a guy who, because he got the ball, you know, near the top of the key or in the mid range, a couple of times until he develops this game where he can turn and face up and, and see that the defender is playing off of him a couple of, of dribbles and actually put the ball on the floor and force the issue that way. They're not going to be able to rely on him as someone who can go out and get them a bucket. Cause like you said in the post, like DA is pretty good in the post, but he doesn't have a lot of like actual post moves. He has the hook. He can turn and and line up a mid-range jumper, but that's pretty much it. Like he's not a guy that's going to put the ball on the floor. And if he is putting the ball on the floor, it's usually for three, four, five dribbles. And by that point, the defense has collapsed. So he needs to be a guy who, when he catches the ball with that space and they're playing off of him, either hit that mid-range jumper or close that space with a couple of confident dribbles and a move, a spin move or something to where he can close that distance, get to the rim, force foul calls, that sort of thing. Um, so part of it's on him. Part of it is, I agree, I think Monty and the Suns need to find better ways to free him up a little bit better. Um, but again, you know, they're they're missing shots that they normally make. My bigger issue for them, honestly, was not generating enough three-point looks. Like, it's only four games, obviously, but the Suns shot like 27% from three last night. The Kings shot almost 40%. Sacramento took 16 more threes and they made nine more than Phoenix. So that's a minus 27 points on the three point front. Um, and this, it doesn't help that the Suns are giving up a league worst 42% shooting from three so far this season. Again, super small threes, but when you're getting outshot from three point range by 10 attempts per game so far, that's not good. They need to find ways to generate better threes. And, you know, I think the Kings did a really good job of taking away what DA was doing well, how he was hurting them. And at this stage of his career, DA doesn't really have the counter to make them pay for it. And the Sun shooters just were not making them pay for it either. Let's let's hear what DA had to say about that third quarter and kind of the second half for him. Well, say tonight, um... <clears throat> Play with our foot a little bit. Um, that third quarter was unprofessional. Uh, it wasn't us. Um, you know, uh, just was a step behind them. Dudes was playing hard. They was in a lot of 50 balls. There's a lot of offensive rebounds in that third quarter as well. <clears throat> Second chance shots, a lot of threes. And, you know, they just felt real comfortable. They didn't feel us at all. So, DA calling that third quarter unprofessional uh in the way that they did it and that they played with their food he always has a very colorful way of describing <laughs> what goes on i mean that's that's for sure mm -hmm. did you i mean i know you i don't think that was meant as criticism per se i think he was just trying to say that none of us lived up to uh to our expectation but unprofessional is a very uh a very strong <laughs> word did you feel that third quarter was unprofessional from the Suns. I I would I don't know if I would go that far, but it did feel very uncharacteristic for them. And then unfortunately, we've, we've said that about this team more times than we can count in the first four games. Um, but they really did lose focus. They got outscored twenty nine to fifteen in that quarter. I think they shot seven for twenty two. 
Um, Chris Paul was like, he started the game 0 for 7, so he wasn't helping. I think Booker missed five or six straight shots during that stretch. Um, so it just really wasn't Suns basketball as far as moving the ball. Um, I think they were still running the pick and roll action well with DA, but when you couple your offensive struggles with not getting stops on the other end, because that's when the Kings kind of started heating up from three point range, it it really compounds the issue and it makes it demoralizing. And I think that's what we saw a little bit of is this team is kind of mentally fatigued. Like, let's be honest, they went on a very deep playoff run and that was only three months ago. Monty said before the game, he thinks his guys are still kind of dealing with that hurt. And, you know, it, it's tough to turn around and put it out of your mind and just be like, okay, we got to start this climb all over again from the very bottom of the hill. Um, you know, on a shortened off season where the mental fatigue is still there, where our best player missed all but one preseason game and all of training camp due to COVID. Like, it's, I'm not trying to make excuses this team should be better than their one and three record and they haven't looked very good at all um but you know they they need to mentally kind of lock in stop over helping on the defensive end and you know generate more threes and actually hit those shots because they're not shooting the ball well from three either but that that third quarter was pretty ugly and it might have been you know the portland game's tough because that was just really bad but it might have been their ugliest quarter of the season at times it feels as if they're playing like they're still at the top of the mountain and they mm-hmm. can kind of go through the motions. And I think that is, I think that's part of the, the troubling aspect of this because you saw uh, one and a half good quarters in the first half. So half a good quarter in that fourth quarter where they close the gap, but we've yet to see even in the Lakers game. I mean, that fourth quarter, they were inconsistent and let LA back in that game, we've yet to see a complete game so far. You know, DA went on to talk about how they didn't share the ball well enough in that in that second half, and in particular in that third quarter. And that seems to be what uh, what was their hallmark last year. What really stood out about this team was that unselfish nature, how the ball moved when they were uh, when they were rolling offensively. That ball would whip around quick. You'd find the open man, you make that extra pass to find the even better shot. It feels like it's not quite playing like that right now. But uh, on the DA front, it, it was it was interesting to hear Monty Williams talk after the game yesterday and share his thoughts on, on why DA didn't have the ball much in the second half. It's, it's a conundrum for sure. You know, in the first quarter, we were setting screens and diving, and he was generating a lot of offense. And like I said, we just haven't been consistent, and that's on me. Conundrum is an interesting word to use when you're describing what's going on with your team offensively. And look, there's people out there that are uh, are being overly difficult on Monty uh, after you know the first four games. But to me, that speaks of a coach that is sitting there as confused by the different levels of effort and effectiveness of their offense as we are. And that needs to go back and watch the tape like I'm sure he did uh, last night and this morning to try to pinpoint what exactly is going on with this group. And in particular, what happened in that third quarter. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of uh, baffling watching that offense. And, you know, Devin Booker did take a couple of bad shots in that third quarter stretch. I think there was that one three where he got partially blocked by Buddy Heald. That just wasn't a good shot. But um, it, it was kind of hard to pinpoint exactly what went wrong in that third quarter, aside from just everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> they were still kind of running their offense. The King, they just had a tough time adjusting to what the Kings did as far as covering DA because he was tearing them apart in that first half. Um, so yeah, conundrum is definitely an interesting word to use. I personally think that Monty, because like even today he had mentioned in that quote that, that DA was rolling hard in the first half and that that was making a difference at practice today. Devin Booker mentioned the, the term dynamic rolling as something that helped you know, free things up and help them get into an offensive flow in that first half. I didn't see a lot of evidence that DA wasn't rolling as hard. I think the Kings did a good job of putting bodies on him and that kind of blocked his path. There were a couple of plays where he kind of stopped rolling because a a player was already going to take a shot or he didn't crash the offensive glass. But like, other than that, I, I think there are some differing opinions as far as like, his effort level. I didn't see his effort level wane too much in the second half. I think it was more just a matter of he didn't know what to do to counter what the Kings were doing to him. And the Suns didn't really, you know, you're, you're kind of right. They need sort of a backup plan. If those shots aren't falling, the difficult thing is with guys like Chris Paul and Devin Booker, it's hard to pinpoint like at what point you need to veer away from the plan. If they're getting good shots and just kind of missing them. Uh, I, I, I think when you're about nine minutes into a third quarter and you're on pace to score 15 points, that's probably a good time to mix it up uh, a bit. Uh, you know, the word conundrum seems like it may be a fit for DeAndre Ayton in general. There's a term yeah. <laughs> in, in baseball, uh, like, and and I don't mean that this may, it's not a direct correlation, but a, a quadruple A player, a guy that has, almost good enough skills but not quite good enough to be a big leaguer now i'm not obviously da is an nba player but i mean this in more that line between da effective at doing the things that like rolling to the basket that gravitational pull and then that next step to superstar that you can run an offense through it feels like if he needs to evolve his game still to be able to help them in those moments where those shots aren't falling because, you know, I was talking to some people uh, around the league to try to get kind of an insider's perspective. And, and the thought is there's a reason, you know, traditional bigs don't work anymore because, you know, like we talked about, you can't dump it down to a guy because that's not an effective shot is DA kind of a tweener right now because he's fantastic when a defense gives him that pick and roll, when he can get in the lane, when he can get those lobs, but he's not quite there in terms of handling the ball, being able to turn up, like you turn, uh, turn up on a, on a defender and see that space and either pull up or try to drive by him. Like you talked about is, is he just at this crossroads where, he has to develop that in order to be a hundred percent effective throughout a game where you can't take away 
his game because there's no way to really do it. Right. And I think that's spot on. I, and I actually had asked Monty about it before the game um, in regards to Miguel Bridges, because he had said something similar about Bridges that he had said to Aiton, like we want to, like when he had been talking about Aiton shooting more threes, he had said, like, if he practices it, we want him to do it in the games, but we also want him, we don't want it to take away from what he's best at um, and how it impacts our offense. Um, and he was saying the same thing about kind of Mikhail Bridges being this guy that can put the ball on the floor now, make plays, pull up from the mid-range. Um, so I asked him, like, what is the balance between, especially with those two young guys, between, like, letting them do what they do best, but also putting them in positions where they can expand their game. And he, he told me bluntly, he was like, I don't know. Like it's a hard thing to balance and it's different from player to player. Um, and I think it's hard because the Suns had one of the most creative offenses in the league last year. They've already added new wrinkles to that offense this season based on what we've seen. Um, the problem is guys just aren't hitting shots. Like, and that's not something that a four-game sample size in an 82-game season should be enough to make you veer away from. Like the Suns were seventh in offensive rating last year. They were seventh in three-point percentage. So they need to be a team that's taking a lot of threes. Um, Jay Crowder said after the game, they've kind of gotten into this like every possession mindset that you have to have in the playoffs where you're like hunting for the best shot. Uh, they just need to go out there and kind of let it fly and play loose like they used to last year. Because the regular season and the playoffs are totally different animals. You need to put up a bunch of threes in the regular season. In the playoffs, those numbers are going to go down and you're going to hunt mismatches a little bit more like we saw. Um, but as far as DA goes, like it's hard to find that balance between what he does best and allowing him to expand his game. And to be honest with you, I don't know if he's the type of player you will ever run an offense through. Like he's not, he has shown no signs of the ball handling or the playmaking uh, or the individual shot making that you need to run an offense through in this league. I think he can improve as a guy who moves the ball side to side. Um, I think the Suns saw that JaVale McGee is trying to do that and maybe not as good as they thought he would be because McGee was a mess last night. <laughs> like he was terrible and they gave him a little bit too much free reign to do stuff that like DA doesn't even really do. So they need to kind of rein that in. But as far as Aiton goes, he would need to show that he has these other skill sets and that the Suns are limiting him because right now I don't really see that. I think he needs a little JaVale McGee, not, uh, not a lot of JaVale McGee in him, but a little bit because JaVale seems like he's too willing to be freewheeling and, <laughs> yeah. and try to make it up. Like I joked, he looks like a, an athletic newborn Bambi, right? He's always flailing around and then can jump and dunk it. But like, I wonder sometimes if DA gets too far in his own head and that's why, you know, some of these things happen that he, that he's just trying too much in his head, which influence or, or messes with his basketball instincts. But we heard a lot about internal growth, right? That was a mantra, a, a topic of conversation during training camp. And even this off season, I feel like the McHale's, the Cam Johnson's, the Deandre Ayton's are very much like the, the, Roy children from succession, right? They're, they, they all have parts of what they need, but nobody is fully kind of 
encapsulated everything you need to be the man, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's it, it feels like Mikhail show has shown some flashes, and you know, they're like, Oh, he's gonna be the third option offensively, but then he disappears on nights. It's every once in a while you see those flashes like the first half from DeAndre eight, and you go, Oh, he'll be the third option. And then Cam Johnson's kind of like uh Roman, he's the sleeper pick back there where he's got you know some uh, it's, it's some of the skills and and you think he's going to surprise, but even he is kind of taking a step back through the first four games of this year. It feels like they need at least two of those three clicking at all, at all times for this mm-hmm. team to be the threat that they were last year. And I don't think we've fully seen that. And ne- none of them have definitely stepped up as that definitive third option in this offense. Well, see, I, I think I might disagree with that. I feel like, Mikhail Bridges has been arguably the Suns' most consistent player through the first four games. I mean, he's he's scored in double figures. He's averaging like 16 and a half points, shooting like 56% from the field and 47% from three. I feel like he's been good. You know, the Denver game, some of those points came in garbage time. I'll give you that for sure. Um, but I, I agree with you. Like, as far as internal development goes, like DeAndre Ayton has been he had that great first half against the nuggets and then he had that great first half against sacramento and other than that he hasn't really been the factor that we were hoping he would be you know we were kind of hoping for that f you pay me tour that was coming (laughs) up and we haven't really gotten that cam johnson has been pretty disappointing in my eyes um he's just missed a lot of shots and that's you know it's a make or miss league so that's part of it but um, he hasn't really had much of an impact off the bench. Landry Shamit hasn't been getting enough shots as the type of knockdown shooter that he's supposed to be. Um, it's just a, a very weird thing where, especially, and campaign being out doesn't help, but like yeah. the bench unit hasn't really found much cohesion. JaVale McGee's been disappointing. Um, like Devin Booker has been better after that horrible season opener. Chris Paul has kind of disappeared a couple of times. I think it's a lot of guys that are just kind of not being the consistent producers that they were last year. Um, And it's going to be interesting to see how they go about that moving forward. But one of the things that Monty said in practice today that kind of stood out to me, because I had asked him like, what was different in those last couple minutes that you saw on the film when you guys were making your comeback run, as opposed to, that third quarter. And he basically just said, you know, we were playing sons basketball. You know, I, I find, I find it interesting because the stats for, for Mikhail, I mean, they do look good, but I feel like it ebbs and flows. He kind of is there and then he kind of isn't there. And it, uh, it's not, I haven't felt it's as consistent as they're going to need it. Uh, from them you you may differ on that it's just felt like a lot of it comes in bursts and then he's kind of quiet and and I think they need him throughout a game or he needs to in it in a case where Devin Booker uh, like last night in that third in particular Devin Booker and and Chris Paul aren't scoring if he's the true third option then he's got to be the guy that goes all right now it's time it's on my shoulders to to do that as well. And and some of that, obviously the offense uh, as well, but I, I want to see it consistently. Yeah. And I think that's fair. I, I think he's, 
when I say third option, this offense hasn't been very good. So that's not as much of a compliment as it should be for a team that like <laughs> needs that used to be top 10 in offense. And, and we'll probably get to that point. They have some weird rust and some weird finals hangover that they need to shake off. And that's kind of what I keep coming back to. Um, but I, I think individually, Mikhail has shown the flashes of being able to be that guy. He's been their most consistent player on both ends to this point. Um, but it'll be interesting to see because um, at practice today, Monty had been talking about, um, you know, if, if they had won that game last night, it might have been easier to kind of sweep things under the rug. Like he still would have felt, he still would have rather win the game. Um, but when you win games in bad performances, it's easier to look at the positives and kind of brush aside the negatives. And And this is kind of, a point of growth that he said, like this is a moment where they can get better and they need to get better. They need to figure out their identity again and figure out the type of type of team they need to be. So that kind of resonated with me because so far they've gotten three games that should have served as wake up calls. Arguably, <laughs> you know, you don't want to get too upset about the season opener, but getting thumped by 30 in Portland you know, you can write it off as a second night of a back-to-back, three games and four nights, whatever you want to call it. But like this one, you can't turn away from. The Kings are no pushover, but like the Sun should have blown that open in the third quarter. They should have had a ten-point lead at halftime. It only got, it was only eight, and then they completely fell apart. They lose. They come back in this game, and then they lose. Like just kind of a bad loss all around, regardless of the opponent. So hopefully, that kind of serves as this this wake-up call that Monty is is hoping it will be if you were a betting man saturday night at footprint center Cavs come to town do the suns uh the suns kind of figure it out and, and get that w i sure hope so because i don't know how much more of this i can take because like the <laughs> oh, deandre Ayton conversation i have but it's it's particularly cruel and painful when you go from covering a finals team to covering a team that should be a finals team that's not living up to expectations. And like the DA conversation was already annoying enough as it is the feed DA thing. Now it's just going to be even worse with this contract situation, with the team not winning, with the Suns not hitting the shots they normally hit. And let's be honest, with this giant bomb that's been hovering over the Suns fandom for the last week because of this impending story. Well, that's all true. If, if you are a gambling man or woman, you can head over to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's number one sportsbook app. When you sign up, use that code PHNX. Put $5 down on any NFL game this weekend, and you are going to get $200 in free bets. It's just that easy. Winner, winner, chicken dinner is what you could take your missus out for or your girlfriend or your significant other or your husband, whoever, I don't care. You could take, you could take <laughs> out your dog for a nice dinner if you want with the winnings. I really don't care. Uh, maybe I'll take out my daughter with the winnings, but you can take out whoever you want. Uh, you're going to get those $200 in free bets uh, and, and you're going to win a bet because that's what you have to do to get that $200. I recommend the in-game same game parlays. Those are my favorite. You can up your odds at, at winning. And it really makes a game interesting when you've got two or three things that happen have to happen for you to win your bet. Uh, it's a fun way to watch like an NFL game you don't care about uh, to add a little something into it, uh, you know, and, and watch that game if there's nothing else going on 
as well. Uh, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. That means when you want to get your money out to go on that sweet, sweet date, it's easy to do so and you can get it quick. Uh, you know, and that's that, that's not the case everywhere. I'm just going to say that. So again, use that code PHNX when you sign up. You're going to get a $200 in free bets if you place at least $5 down on an NFL team and they win 21 and over. Arizona only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you're going to be going on that date anyways, why not look nice, smell nice, and feel good when you go to it? Head over to manscaped.com. Use that same code, PHNX, and you're going to get 20% off and free shipping. The Lawnmower 4.0 is the best way to trim your hedges before uh, you're going to go out and have one of those dates. Uh, do some gardening, personal gardening, that is. Use that Lawnmower 4.0. Code PHNX. $20 or 20% off free shipping when you do that. And we talked about Gerald's piece. Make sure to sign up uh, and become a member at gophnx.com. You're going to get the great written content that we have and access to our Discord, our PHNX locker, and the deals of the week with the great merch that you're getting. You'll be able to be part of events like the Cardinals tailgate that they're doing uh, tonight for the Thursday night football game. There is a little of everything. If you go sign up at gophnx.com. Gerald, uh, I was going to throw a little G rated in here, but I think we save it for tomorrow's audio only because again, it's you and I solo tomorrow. <laughs> so we're going to need something to talk about because we don't got a game or anything. And I'm really hoping it's not just you and I for whatever, uh, bombshell may eventually drop <laughs> so hopefully we'll get to talk a little g-rated i'm thinking we talk succession i i teased mm -hmm. it but uh maybe we'll talk about that a little bit tomorrow as well as some sons basketball yes that would be great and, and like espo said i highly encourage anyone who's in the feed da camp go check out that piece again it's only one game but i really do think that we don't need to make a big deal out of the first half versus the second half DA's kind of been this guy throughout throughout his career. His first half stats have been better than his second half stats. And it's because defenses take things away. I think there's something to be said for throwing different wrinkles in there. But uh, and the other thing, don't get caught up in the quotes about, you know, Monty and DA, what they were saying about the offense. They were both on the same page as far as the team needing to be consistent, move the ball better. This isn't a thing, please. We've got enough to worry about right now. No, it's Let's most not definitely not. Not a thing. When you sit down and listen uh, to the the two guys talk, it's obviously they both saw the same flaws and they they know what they need to work on. There is no thing, quote unquote, between them. So uh, two guys that there's definitely a no issue between. It's Gerald and I. Gerald, you can follow him at at Gerald Borgay on Twitter. You can follow me at Espo. You can follow the show at PHNX underscore Suns, and you can. Find us right back here on Friday for another audio-only edition. Then we'll be back Saturday night, 6.30 p.m. for the pregame show, postgame, right after the game on our YouTube channel. Gerald will join Saul and I from the Footprint Center. Gerald, any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, I think that's it. Let's, let's hope for better on Saturday. That's all I got. <laughs> Let, let's hope for better over the next few days in general. So for Gerald, <laughs> I'm Aspo. Ahoy hoy. We'll talk to you tomorrow.